Hello. Oh, good morning, sir. Good How morning. Are How are you? I'm doing quite well. Yes, rather. <laughs> you sound as though you've had a hearty night of sleep. <laughs> I just, I, uh, I went to the Renaissance uh, Festival here in Texas. Greetings, sir. <laughs> yes, everyone is uh, very in character <laughs> there. So you, pretty. Would good, I give good me... day, my lord. Would you like a turkey leg? Would thou give me thy poultry piece? <laughs> and then they say something. Well, that that turkey leg would be nine pounds, my lord. <laughs> Um, and, Would and, you like to use square? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ye oldy square. Yes. For those who are uh, digital. Yeah, rather. And, what is this What is this strange device that you have brought into our midst? Are you some kind of wizard? <laughs> exactly. Now, now okay, now, uh, in fairness, that's not Renaissance. We're being a little... <laughs> I have always had a mental mix-up between Renaissance fairs and medieval fairs. What's the difference? Come on. <laughs> Six of one, half a dozen the other. Yeah, you got people in tunics. Everyone's dirty. That's medieval. No, it's well. You know what? We should. This could be. This could be a vertical inside the podcast. This is medieval (laughs) or renaissance because they're actually quite. Actually, quite okay. Turkey leg. Medieval or renaissance. Well, I just had it the Renaissance, so I got to say Renaissance. Uh, I'm going to go, well, you see, I don't know if they had, turns out, I don't know if they had domesticated turkeys <laughs> in the Middle Ages. The Middle Ages were a funny time. As is, you know, I'm not a, a historian. <laughs> but is, my are the Middle is, Ages the same as medieval? Is that the one and the same? I, well, let me ask you this. Are you familiar with sports? Oh, yeah. Okay. And you know that in sports, you have something called a schedule. Mm-hmm. So you have your schedule. Let's say you're playing the football and uh, you have a scheduled football game every Sunday. But then the way the scheduling works is that sometimes there's a week where you don't have a game. What is that? What is that week called? A bye week. It's called a bye week. And that means you're, it isn't that you're not going to play football anymore. It just means that for this one week, there's no football because it's a bye week. Right. I think the Middle Ages were Western civilization's bye week. <laughs> <laughs> is the so I get there's Middle Ages, there's medieval, and there's the Dark Ages. It's a lot like the UK. You got the geographical, you got the political, you got the cultural, you got Doctor Who. That's largely happening in Wales. A lot of people don't know that. It can be very confusing to people. I, well, here's what I know. I know that in the times before medieval and or Middle Ages, you had things like the culture of Rome, where they had they had as we know from Monty Python movies, and most of what we know about history, let's be honest, comes from Monty Python yes. movies. Uh, what we know about the Romans and uh, the Middle Ages comes from Monty Python movies. So we know that they had crucifixion, roads, toilets. Uh, they had many advancements. And then there was not so much of that stuff during the bye week that we call the, the Middle Ages. So, you know, uh, you know, you got, you got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So I'm not going to look at Wikipedia. I'm not going to dignify uh, history by looking at Wikipedia. I'm just going to wing it based on Monty Python movies. Now, uh, when did the time if- bandits, when they were all running around... When was that? What, what kind of timeline are we talking about here? Well, he went back and there was the Minotaur. So that was the Greek-Roman time. That, I think that's... Minotaur, I think, is a Greek thing. Okay. Oh, boy, this is going to be good. Yeah. Oh, man, get ready get ready to fire up your emails, guys. <laughs> and then, then they went back and they were running around and there was like... When's Robin Hood taking place? When is I'm that? So, can I just... I want to stipulate something here. I'm so embarrassed. Um, I have never seen Time Bandits. I, oh, I will my probably, gosh. I, I, ha- I don't think you can see it. Oh, oh! No, well, I mean, see, I've seen I've seen Baron Munchausen, but I haven't seen but I haven't seen Time Bandits. <laughs> Those are two different movies. Um, I don't think so. I think they they both involve <laughs> fanciful fanciful people 
who, who have a relationship with George Harrison and Monty Python. Uh-huh. I think they're both related to George Harrison and Monty Python. Now, what about Terry Gilliam? Is he medieval or Renaissance? I, but here's the problem is... Renaissance! I, I don't think you can... I don't think the movie is good enough in 2015 for you to see it. Oh, interesting. I think that's a thing. I like, think it was great in whenever we saw it. Those of us who, for better or for worse, saw the movie already... I don't think now you as a person alive in 2015, having not already seen the movie could go and see the movie. Like we, I think we talked about this with Caddyshack. Uh, It's so funny. You should say that I have another Bill Murray example that I was just about to give, but no, you're right. Caddyshack. Well, I'll give my example. A movie I watched a couple weeks ago on a whim, watched the first half, uh, a, 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 a movie that was one of the canonical movies of my junior high years, uh, called stripes. Oh yeah, strike. I still, it's one of those movies you don't even realize how much you quote this movie. I quote, I'm like Caddyshack, I'm qu- I quote Stripes all the time. And the thing is, it's the first third of it contains most of the stuff that we remember, and then it's sprinkled, kind of peppered with stuff throughout. It's not a great movie, but I mean, Harold Ramis is fantastic in it. Bill Murray, of course, is amazing in it. John Candy. There's so many great people. Uh, what's his head? Uh, Warren Oates. As uh, as uh, Sergeant Hulka, he's great, but it doesn't really. I it's not something I saw it when I was thirteen or so, fourteen. I would not recommend this to a fourteen year old today. You know, because they got Spotify and stuff. It's a whole different scene now. Yeah. Now, uh, Harold Ramis, m- uh, medieval or Renaissance? Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I like that. He's a writer. He's a director. Right. Renaissance. A Renaissance man. Now you know what's still good, and this is a movie that uh, I, don't, I don't like to brag about my daughter because she doesn't actually do that much interesting stuff. But when she requests a good movie, it uh-huh. really makes my day. Last night, you know what she wanted to watch? What's that? All the things we've got on all of our different media devices, you know what she picked to, to watch during dinner? Because if you're going to watch a movie, it's got to be part of a movie because it's a school night. Yeah. Or it's got to be an incredibly short movie. So you know what she picked? What? Duck Soup. Oh, I haven't seen that. Are you kidding me? No, I haven't seen that, I don't think. You've, ne- you've never seen... Arguably the greatest Marx Brothers movie of all time. Oh, um, I've seen scenes from it as referenced in other movies, probably Woody Allen movies. But I've oh never sat down and, and watched God. it from beginning to end. You know what? I take that back now. It's coming back to me. In summer camp, <sighs> when I was 10 years old, they used to show movies in the lunchroom. Uh, shucking and jiving. Dan, and sit it was down a like a gentleman Stooges. and watch this movie. It was uh, Three Stooges, and then sometimes they would throw in a Marx Brothers movie. When the clock on the wall strikes 10. See, I've seen all that. All you loyal ladies and you patriotic men. But I don't think I've seen the movie from beginning to end. Hail, hail, Fredonia. It is... Um, Boy, is it ever good and crazy. And I, I'm going to, you know what? I don't usually do this because I don't, I don't actually care. I'm going to prescribe <laughs> to you that you, that you, it's kind of hard to find a, a good copy, I think. Um, but uh, go see Duck Soup. It's about 100 minutes long. And it has, you don't it has care some, if I see it or you don't. No, I want you to see it. I want to prescribe it to you. Okay. I want you to watch it with cash because it's, it's improbably zany. It's like there's so much humor today. Actually, I wouldn't mind talking about Monty Python because I've been thinking a lot about Monty Python lately. But Monty Python, obviously, I was showing my daughter. I was working her in. God, this is a long story. We have four sponsors today, right? We do, yeah. Okay, it's going to be a marathon. So uh, we got time. Curl up with a cozy blanket and a tea. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter uh, loves the Marx Brothers. She's seen, I think, four Marx Brothers movies. And, uh, and And she loves Duck Soup. 
because she's awesome. And so I've been trying to slowly work her in to Monty Python. You know, you got to go kind of slow for a kid. So I'm starting out, I showed her the uh, Ministry of Silly Walks. And she thought it was hilarious. Yeah, that's and a I great was saying, one. Like, do you, I was like, do you see, like, you know, being a Marx Brothers fan, like, do you see, like, how much Marx Brothers there is in... And obviously, there's a certain, there's a huge strain of, of British humor, the Footlights kind of stuff. But, you know, the the absurdity, so much of the wonderful, absurd humor, even to this day, Tim and Eric, it all goes back to the Marx Brothers. They, they were, they really... Outside of pure, like, uh, surrealist or Dada situationist, you know, uh, art, like, that was the craziest band and stuff. And this was 1933, I think. Oh my gosh, it's awfully good. Peanuts to you. It's so good. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, I get confused and they're very different things because here's the thing the Renaissance is almost the opposite of medieval. The Renaissance, look at the name, it's right on there. It says Renaissance. So when everything changed. Is the uh, is like the Lord of the Rings more like a Renaissance? That's time? more Middle Earth than Middle Ages, I think. It's kind of like Star Wars. It seems like the future, but it's really the past, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't. So it's a really good question. How does steampunk fit into this? Because there was a lot of that, also. Oh Lord, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that one a hard. We call it a hard pass. <laughs> give a hard pass on steampunk. Okay. <laughs> I know it involves valves. Mm-hmm. And goggles. Yes, lots of goggling. And brass. Yes. Valves, goggles, and brass. That's the thing my, my panel at South by Southwest this year. Uh, one of the interesting things is that at the, apparently this Renaissance Festival is one of the, maybe it's the biggest in the whole country. It's a big, big, big deal. And it's really was a lot of fun. There's rides, there's fun things to do. There's lots of things to spend money on. Was there jousting? There was jousting. Jousting is Middle Ages. That's not Renaissance. Da there Vinci was, did not joust. There was jousting. There was lots of folks in costumes and the costumes were, it. this, the part that surprised me so much was just the, like, you didn't find no one went to like Party City on the way to this thing and picked something up. Like this is like oh, it got like a four dollar wig and right, no, 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 no. <laughs> nothing like that. This was like full, me middle ages, <laughs> <laughs> right? Rawr. No, this was full on like if you're wearing armor, the oh, armor lifestyle, was, lifestyle, lifestyle rent. Yeah, it was made for you or made by you or both. I mean, it was full on uh, legit real like if you had a scabbard you you probably made it yourself and the leather which you tanned yourself had the heat imprint of your own personal family crest that you from a, from a historically accurate cow yes mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm looking at an article now that said this year's opening weekend which was not this last weekend but uh the beginning of october had over sixty thousand uh guests there it's a big deal yeah, I I'm I don't know. I shouldn't say because I, like I say, I don't know a lot about it. But I think most of what we think of with these fairs with an E is is more is more uh, Middle Ages. Because what is what is the Renaissance? You know, the Renaissance is uh, you got architecture and oil painting and uh, two point perspective mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. You've got uh, you've got literature, and I think turkey legs don't fit into that. Do you think because the term medieval has? more negative connotations and the term I think it's pronounced medieval yes and the term renaissance has a positive connotation so they've renamed it 
Um, see, I don't know. I think you could, uh, some of these, I, see, again, I don't know. I think it's probably more like oldie timesy fair. It's, a, you know, like a D&D fair, basically. Yes, D&D fair. But Renaissance is a different thing. I mean, you know, it'd be like, I don't know. I mean, who knows? It, but I mean, you know, just, you know, the Civil War is not the Roaring Twenties. Like, just because it was a long time ago doesn't make it the same thing. Okay. Times were simpler then. Yeah. People didn't own property. Did you get fleas? Right. You know, if you're going to do Civil War reenactment, you know you're supposed to get fleas? I or didn't. you considered OOP. You're considered OOP out of period. You got to have your buttons right. You got to make sure everything lines up right. And, and if you have fleas, I hear you uh, fit in better. Pretty gross. They got to be authentic fleas. Pretty gross. Period fleas. Mm, boy, I don't like the sound of that at no, all. No. I think period fleas is actually a myth. I looked it up on Snopes. You don't actually get fleas when you have your... Um, so that's fun. And did you take both kids to that? No, just the just the big one. The little one, not really old enough to get much out of it. So... The boy and I went to wherever this thing is in Montgomery or Plantersville or where, wherever it was, went out there and spent a day out there. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot to do. Well, now, now I've, uh, our kids are very similar ages. For us, anywhere we go uh, is mostly about merchandise. Food yes, and all merchandise. about merchandise. Yes, that's it. What kind of merchandise did you pick up for cash at the, uh, at the Renaissance Fair? They had a lot of stuff that I would put in the category of sort of junk or sort of tchotchke stuff that I would not, would it's not kinda, get. It's kind of like tanned leather Etsy. Yeah, very so I guess much. There, I bet there's coin purses. I bet there's hats and bands. I bet you can buy a bow and arrow. I didn't see a bow and arrow, but there was, uh, the things that were especially appealing, they, you could mint, they would do the hard work, but you could mint your own coin so oh, that you nice. could pick a variety of different designs for each side of the coin. He picked one side was like a Viking and then the the other side, you could pick like a letter or get your name on it. So they did that. Uh, he got a ring that all that you could pick the um, you could pick the like the symbols and get writing on it. So he did that. You at one point he was dipping most of his arm into a a, a, a giant tub of wax over and over again, and then that became like his hand in wax Ugh. that was oh like a God. mold. Very cool. Um, I don't, I don't. It was really I, interesting. I think the Old Testament um, says you shouldn't do that. Yeah, the dipping. Is that a graven image if you make an arm out of wax? I don't think so, because it's just hmm. the hand, really. But then, hmm. th I mean, it was, you know, it was a lot of, there's candle making, there's sword fighting and jousting, and of course, I I didn't, uh, I didn't let him get a sword. That was the main thing. Oh, but there was an amazing, this you would like. Yeah. There was an, um, the probably the best storefront in the whole thing was the wand store Ollivanders? yeah very much like Ollivanders. and the guy who who i guess ran or owned the proprietor of the store was without the turban quirrell from the first movie that actor it could have been him it was his oh nice like and, and not a, if he had but he wasn't wearing a turban did he self-identify as a horcrux no uh but he because it's it's a different time now it's 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 considered okay to 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 for people that you're close to you got to come out slowly as a horcrux <laughs> you don't want to step out into it right away well, it's uh, hard you know sometimes at the workplace you have trouble with your housing right but he we don't rent to horcruxes here wonderful wonderful wands i did get him a wand that he picked uh, on his oh, own. Oh, that's or, awesome. Or I should say it picked him. What kind of, that's exactly right. What kind of core? Uh, well, the, 
kind that I'm guessing probably plastic. <laughs> I was no; these were handmade. They were wood, uh, but they did have some that had a removable uh, butt to it that you could then put your own phoenix feather or whatever in the handle. Oh, that is so cool! Yeah, those were expensive, so we didn't opt for those. And then see, they also had a... replica wands, but we didn't get the replica wand. Either. I could see. I'm thinking about the Venn diagram of confusion here because there's a lot of overlap. I'm just going to throw out some words here: Harry Potter, D and D, Robin Hood. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Right. King Arthur writ large. <laughs> uh, there's probably many other things I'm missing here, but like all of those things, there is some weird overlap. The Harry Potter stuff and the Lord of the Rings stuff. I mean, Lord of the Rings has to have been, even though I've never read any of the books, has to have been one of the hugest influences on D&D. Like when you play D&D, I played D&D 30 years ago, and I'm still realizing how much stuff in D&D comes right out of it was uh, lord it, i mean for all intents and purposes it was the starting point was lord of the rings i think well don't are a lot of a lot of the races uh races character types uh the you know kind of fantastical creatures like that all comes like dwarves being miners and stuff like that that yeah. comes out of lord of the rings yeah right? i think so boy what an incomplete education i've had you know dan i broke my rule can, can i can i speak freely no new franchises no no <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. I want to do a little bit of a quick update here. Robin Hood uh, is considered uh, a popular folk figure in the late medieval period. Now, you're asking yourself, what is the medieval period? According to Wikipedia, the medieval period or Middle Ages in Europe. You ready for this? Yeah. Pretty big chunk. The 5th to the 15th century. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, lo- that's a while. That's a wide middle. It's like Middle <laughs> Age. Literally. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, and then the Renaissance, the European Renaissance, is considered to have gone from the 14th to the 17th century. So there is some overlap. There's some Venn diagram. You could get a little bit of Harry Potter in the Renaissance. And I have used uh, Wikipedia here to look up steampunk. It says, mm. uh, although its literary origins are sometimes associated with the cyberpunk genre, steampunk works are mm-hmm. often set in an alternative history of yeah. the 19th century. I would say Jules Verne. Era. Yeah, Jules Verne. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, the Jules Verne stuff is kind of cool. Oh, you know what else you got to add to the uh, Venn diagram of confusion is Disney World. Because <laughs> Disney World has done a lot. John, John Syracuse and I talked a lot on the uh, recent uh, Reconcilable Differences about Disney World. And, like, you know, what a what a magical place that actually is. And, uh, and how, <laughs> how you can, like, mash together all these bits of culture. But, I mean, like, okay, Cinderella's Castle. Now, what kind of castle is that? Cinderella. I'm going to guess a French castle from the... 15th century is going to be my guess. Cinderella's Castle. Fairy tale castle at the center. Inspiration and design. Oh, it's inspired by castles of, of Spain uh, and France of the 14th century. Hmm. Eight, 14th to 18th century. It's a 400 year spread on the castle. <laughs> but that's, that's a little bit Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, it's a different theme park. You know they've got a theme park where you can go and you go to Diagon Alley. Yes, I know. Oh my god, I, I want to go, go there. So much. Merchandise, yeah, it always comes down to the merchandise, doesn't it? What you can buy, where, and for how much? And also, it doesn't seem sustainable to just sell turkey legs. Like, who's buying the thighs? I'm a thigh man. I'll tell you what, though, this turkey leg was yeah. the best—not just turkey leg; it was the best turkey I've ever eaten in my whole life. I'm not a big fan of turkey. In general, once a year is enough. Twice really? if you have, yeah, if you have, you know, like, yeah, I'm not a big fan. These turkey legs were amazing. It was like amazing. I don't know how they're, what they're doing back there. 
It's probably sous vide. <sighs> so good. Medieval, medieval sous vide. So good. Medieval huh. sous vide. <laughs> medieval sous vide so what's involved uh, just a very slow oh you got witches you got witches in shakespeare witches in shakespeare are a little bit ren fair they also oh, had a think? lot of bagpipes at this thing too bagpipes i'm gonna say more uh more medieval <laughs> medieval or just from scotland scotland very medieval <laughs> I, they teach you it's like a little kid they teach you don't look at the sun don't stand too close to the bagpipes you want to keep a safe distance <laughs> It's, a, it's, a, it's like, like a Wolverine or, or some kind of a nuclear thing. When was the first Highlander movie taking place? When was that? Uh, I think it was like 1988. No, no, not not the the present day parts. The old the olden day parts. Oh, uh, <laughs> was that in Scotland? Yes, the Scotland, Highlands. I think we've agreed Scotland is 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 medieval. Okay, let's find out. <laughs> what about the Pixar <laughs> movie Brave? With the, the Pixar movie Brave, I think, is Scottish, which makes it medieval. Okay. okay, so it's just a straight rule. Yeah, probably the early 1900s. Okay. <laughs> when does uh, Game of Thrones take place? Ah, Game of Thrones. There was a, I think Game of Thrones has a, a more of an influence, the, it, the present Renaissance festivals, even more than Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings does today. That's a really good point. Now, what about The Walking Dead? Is The Walking Dead more Renaissance or uh, medieval? <laughs> medieval. That's a good one. You answered correctly. <laughs> this is easier than I thought. Yeah. Uh, Highlander is a movie from 1986, directed by M- Russell Mulcahy, who also, uh, if memory serves, directed the Duran Duran videos. Duran Duran, Renaissance or medieval. Think about it. Uh, um, Renaissance. That is correct. Okay. Duran Duran is more <laughs> Renaissance. <laughs> okay. Dan, yes. the Thompson twins, the Thompson twins, more Renaissance or medieval? Renaissance. No, mini- Renaissance. It's a trick question. Thompson twins were roaring 20s. <laughs> we were looking for roaring 20s. Tears for fears. Everyone was getting radios on credit, putting them in their new refrigerators <laughs> and driving their Ford automobiles. In the name of love. Brave is medieval, yeah. I'm going to say. Brave is definitely medieval. Yeah. Uh, my daughter heart. plays the uh, Oh Brave Heart, which is Scottish, which makes it medieval. <laughs> Brave Heart is medieval. All right. Okay. Now Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Medieval. In general. <laughs> You're really good at this. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know the Monty Python movies. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole last night, where I was watching something. Somebody linked to who linked to it. It was an interview that John Hodgman did with John Cleese. Um. I think last year. Yeah. It was really good. I really like John Cleese. I've said this before, but I just like, he's like not a model exactly to me, but like for somebody whose career consists of being amusingly broken in public. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) uh, I think he's really, really awfully good at that. And the way that he's talked about his life, the things he said about creativity, the things he said about comedy, you know what I'm going to find for this week? This is going to be a back to work ish thing. Uh, Did you ever watch that video that went around of him doing that talk on creativity? Probably 15, 20 years ago. I think I've seen it, but I can't. You'd can't know it say because sure. it's hard to find. People keep taking it down. It's uh, it, he, he. There's subtitles uh, probably in in Hollandese. It might be Dutch, and uh, he talks about the five things to be creative. It's one of the one of my favorite uh, internet videos I've ever seen, and uh, it's really good. It's it's really awfully good. You know what? I'm going to find that. I'm going to find John Cleese. Oh, I got a good one for you. A uh, video, John Cleese. Uh, the great, the great actor, uh, writer, uh, speaker, and in uh, educational uh, technologist John Cleese, 
Renaissance or medieval? Renaissance. Yes, that is correct. Has you are be. really, really good at this. Has to be. Dan, Swiss cheese. Renaissance or medieval? Uh, Swiss. So yes. That's, that's Renaissance. Very good. Swiss. <laughs> it is Swiss. Swiss cheese <laughs> yes. is cheese that has come from Swiss. Switzerland didn't exist until the Renaissance times. Daddy, I don't like the cheese with the holes. Fine. Just eat the cheese and leave the holes on your plate. <laughs> Dan, would you like to tell me about something you like? Let me tell you about Harry's. 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 <laughs> Harry's is, you're, you're a shaver, Harry. They're the official uh, <laughs> official partner of the Movember Foundation. This is the thing where you grow facial hair. Movember Foundation, Dan. Is that Renaissance or medieval? Uh, Renaissance. Because the French had the big... I'm going to have to consult the judges on this. They will be donating money and helping raise awareness for awareness for men's health. That's what this is all about. And we ask uh, that uh, all of you go and check out Movember. Movember? Movember Rimeimo. So if you are there and you are going to be sculpting your facial hair in a variety of ways this month in ways that perhaps you normally don't sculpt, or maybe you uh, have never grown a beard and you're taking advantage of it, and then at the end of the month you will ceremoniously shave it off you should do all of this stuff with a, a, a wonderful, lovely, luxurious experience provided to you by Harry's.com, the manufacturers of these really, really great razors. But uh, it's not just that. They're really keen on giving back. So not only are they doing this Movember, Movember, Movember they November. also give 1% of their sales and 1% of their time back to the communities that they serve. They basically... They make a great, a darn good razor, a darn great razor. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, the way I start out, there's a starter kit that you get, and it includes a month's worth of blades and this really, really high quality handle that feels like a very old, very Renaissance mm-hmm. and old fashioned. And old, uh, wor- old world, though. Old world. It really feels. It feels small batch. It really does. The packaging is great. If Apple were making razors done oh it's like it's like it's carved from a single block of razor that's right and they are speaking of old world their factory is in germany they bought a a a german blade factory that was making the best blades that they could find anywhere and they they bought that factory now that's where they get their blades from and they cut out the middleman they ship them all right to you and they are really 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 great really high quality stuff the starter set that i was telling you about uh you can get it for just 10 bucks if you use the code comics comics because that's what the our show is about uh-huh. you get the handle you get three blades and you get uh, either the shaving cream or the foaming gel both of which are great and the place to go harry's h-a-r-r-y-s harry's.com code is comics to save five dollars on your first order whatever it is you decide to get thank you very much to harry's for supporting back to work with merlin man bok, bok. i recently purchased uh four two packs two pack shakur <laughs> two pack shakur medieval or renaissance oh renaissance and uh, I recently purchased eight blades, so I don't have to think about it anymore. Done. And you, here's how fancy I am. That's fine for Merlin. I generally, I generally use a blade for 1.2 shaves. You want to hear my method? Yeah, please. I got a method. Okay. I shave in the shower like a gentleman, and uh, I, I, I should talk about, talk about shaving because it's fascinating to people. But what I do is I get, I get super hot water, 
I put olive oil on my face to cover up all the beardy parts. Then I, uh, when I get in the shower, I put on a bunch of uh, usually cheap foamy uh, shaving cream. You can also use the wonderful Harry stuff. I just use cheap foamy because my daughter wastes whatever I get mm-hmm. every time she takes a bath. Uh, and then what I do is I use the the last part of the previous blade to cut off the heavy parts, like under the uh, under the uh, sideburns kind of area, all the parts that really put a hurting on your blade. And then I change the blade and use a fresh blade for all the rest of the parts. So that means in the little nozzle area, in the channel piece, I've got a nice fresh blade. <laughs> right. So really about one blade per shave. Love it. Um, the movie Highlander came out in 1986. Can I kind of remind you of some of the casting? I'm going to tell you three casting things you might not know. Okay. Uh, uh, Highlander, uh, starring Christopher Lambert, who you remember from Tarzan. Yep. You got Sean Connery from Name of the Rose. <laughs> you know who played a character called the Kurgan? Yeah, of course. Do you know who he is? Yeah. Clancy Brown, who is also the voice of Mr. Krabs. He did Mr. Krabs? Mr. Krabs was in the Highlander. Born in Ur- Urbana, Ohio. Oh, uh, Dan, Ohio. Uh, medieval or Renaissance? Medieval. Yes. Uh, Clancy Brown. He was in, in addition to being the Kurgan, which is what I most remember him for. So you actually remember this movie? Oh, v- quite vividly. Wow. I saw it and seen it many times and watched the TV show, hmm. which I don't recommend. The Kurgan was also in that interesting HBO, uh, short-lived HBO series, Carnival. Carnival. Was that about Brazil? No. Oh, the Kurgan. Look at that guy. Oh, yeah. He looks, he's kind of like a bird. He's like a skull bird man. He's got kind of a Mad Max vibe. Oh, very Mad Max. Look how young he is. He's so young here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was 30 years ago. Yeah, isn't that crazy? He was 26, 25 or 26 in this. He's a 56-year-old man now. Plays a crab with no legs. That's always funny to me that he doesn't have legs. What doesn't have legs? Well, Mr. Krabs. They already got got the claws. He got his, yeah, I think they they took off his claws. He's got little stubby legs. And he loves money. That's a really, really good program. The Kurgan. The Kurgan. Kurgan. Yeah. Robin Hood. Okay. Steampunk. Steampunk. There's a steampunk Spider-Man. Steampunk (laughs) Spider-Man. Chewbacca bobblehead. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground. You want to button it up? Yeah, let's do it. I don't have too much to talk about uh, this week. I had had one idea for a topic. Well, I got one and a half ideas. Um, We've uh, had sort of a mixed reception to talking a lot about Apple stuff lately. Um, so I th- don't think we should dive too deep on Apple today, but uh, we had uh, a handful of requests from people to talk more about Plex, what it is and how it works. And I thought that might be useful to people who may not know what it is. Were you surprised at the at how divisive the topic that we'd been on for the last couple of shows was with our listeners? Candidly, um, I'm not surprised and I'm actually delighted. Okay. Um, no, just because, well, first of all, we got some nice emails from people who were like, you know, I really like your show, but like you're talking a lot about Apple right now, which is true. We really are yep. because we're excited about it. I wouldn't want to apologize for that, but that makes me feel good because that also means the people who are listening to the show, not just for a bunch of Apple horse crap. Um, so that makes me feel really good. And so, no, I don't, it's not going to be something we do all the time. Um, well, I don't want to apologize because I think we should talk about whatever interests us. Uh, I, I will say that I think it's unusual that we talk about it this much. It's because there's so much new stuff to us, and especially new to me, uh, that it, it would be kind of uh, artificial not to talk about it. But it's not something that's going to keep going on forever. Uh, but I wouldn't mind talking about Plex. And I had another topic. Maybe we should talk about Plex first. But I was thinking about this today. We, we, we haven't talked about 
There's some old school productivity things I've been thinking about lately, talking to some friends about stuff, work stuff. Uh, and I want to talk about, eventually, how you decide what to do in a given day. Would you be willing to talk about that? I love that idea. It sounds great. But uh, do you want to start out by uh, just telling people what Plex is? Sure. Um, you introduced I'll, I'll me take to Plex. A, I'll take a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll take a crack. Yeah. I, I think I have a pretty good summary of what it is. It's It's not super complicated. If you think about, like... When iTunes first came along, uh, it was pretty great. Um, and, you know, over time, iTunes got pretty powerful because it got the ability to what primarily it would manage your music. And it was how you were able to like get stuff on your iPod, which at the time was, you know, how you got stuff on your iPod. This is before the cloud days. And over time, they added the iTunes store to then where you could buy music and you could buy television shows, and you could buy movies, and then use iTunes to manage them and view them. But I mean, it's, I think it's important to remember, at least in my head, tell me if you're, you disagree, but iTunes, I think of as something that was heavily focused on helping you deal with media, especially in terms of owning an iPod. I don't know if that's exactly right, but I found myself using iTunes mostly to yeah, you know, listen to music in it, but and to organize music, but mostly I was using it to manage my iPod, to plug it in, move playlists over. You know that that seems like a million years ago, but I, that's what I think of as iTunes originally being. That's exactly how I think of it too. It was this gateway between music that I have, most of which I pulled off of CDs, and this little device that I want to take around with me that has a thousand songs in my pocket. You know, and yeah. that it was how you got it onto your devices and it wasn't which which at that time was a tethered ipod yep that's the, this is this is you know i realize this is not that many years ago we're really we're talking about even like during the lifetime of my kid our kids but you know that's how you did it is originally by firewire then by usb to get stuff onto your ipod all the heavy lifting because of the necessary limitations of the ipod a lot of the heavy lifting was happening in itunes and it was it was actually really good for that i've always i used to think it was a really really good app but then over the years, uh, iTunes, I can't tell you exactly why, except in terms of like simplicity, put it all in one app. Now iTunes has a lot of stuff in it. You, it's where you manage, oh gosh, I mean, and again, I don't mean to jump on the bash Apple thing here, but you know, when, when they finally capitulated, Steve and company finally capitulated and made iTunes available for Windows, it became a critical piece. Because now this is this one app that allows you to do all the stuff with your iPod. It allowed people on Windows to have an iPod, right? And so forth. So, but over time, it got more and more stuff. Like, you know, it got the apps. That's where you would go to update your apps. Now, remember, this is before you could just do all this on your phone. You had to do it on iTunes and then sync. That's, that's where we were until what? When did we get Wi-Fi syncing? It wasn't that long ago. And even then, it was Wi-Fi syncing with iTunes. It was not cloud syncing. Right. We we got to remember, this is not that many years ago. This iTunes was still doing all of this heavy lifting. And then over time, it got more and more and more stuff. And then flash forward to today, and it's like, it seems like that's the default where everything just kind of goes. And iTunes has become a little bloated. It's become, I think, fairly difficult to use. With the addition of Apple Music now, it's it's officially kind of hard to use. You know, I find myself a lot of times just doing a search for stuff. I don't really feel comfortable like drilling down in iTunes anymore. It feels very confusing modally to me. But the idea, the, you know, the idea of iTunes is a brilliant idea, which is that you've got media in your life that you like and you care about and you want to be able to deal with it. Can I continue? Is this okay? No, this is perfect. So you've got, what do you've got? What are we talking about? What you got? Let's talk about something you? important. Yeah. Um, you got your, you got music, 
uh, digital music, digital movies, digital TV shows. What other kinds of media do you have in your life? You've got uh, home movies. Like you've got movies of your kids maybe that you've put somewhere. You've got photos and you want to have your photos somewhere. Um, and then the other, the kind of the wild card is like the introduction now of things like online services, like for things like YouTube um, or the ability to stream uh, various kinds of media like Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever. And so one way to think of Plex is that Plex, there's a couple, three parts to Plex that make it great. Plex is software that you run usually on a, you can run it on a computer. You can run it on a NAS or as I say, NAS, uh, you can, <laughs> I think he and Jay-Z finally made up. But, um, yeah, I think so. I think they buried the, uh, the hatchet. Um, but the, the notion is that there's, this, uh, I think, open source, open source software. It's based, I think it's based way, way back on XPMC. But in any case, it's software that you get for free and you run on your own hardware. In my case, a Mac. You can run it on Windows, works on Linux, I believe. You can do it wherever you want. And essentially what it does, is it's an all-in-one multimedia, it's a media manager for media that you've got locally. That's one part. That then part two, the part that really makes it kind of magic, is that then Plex has apps that can run on many different kinds of devices, like now an Apple TV, like an iPad, an iPhone, you know, uh, Windows, whatever. Plex has a whole bunch of different apps. And then I think the third part that people don't talk about very much is it also does have, uh, I think they call them channels. So you have the ability, for example, to put in, to get the app for Netflix to get the app for Amazon Prime. So you can use Plex, uh, in this case, you can run it uh, on a local server on your desktop to like watch any of that stuff, mm-hmm. all from this one app. So the pieces are, it, it manages your media. It's pretty smart about how it recognizes metadata and stuff like that. We'll get to that in a second. But your, your, uh, so let's just review. Your, your music, your, uh, your movies, your TV, your home movies, any kind of ad hoc video you want to put in, uh, plus your photos, if you choose to. And, uh, and then the last piece is, uh, I really want to talk about how I use YouTube with Plex because oh, I think it's something people don't talk about it very much and it's a really powerful feature. So uh, anything else to add for a high level overview? It's, it's, it's software. It's a server that you run that you can then access from devices and apps in many different places. Well, the one thing that I want to ask you is where would somebody host such a server? Is this something that sits on a shelf in your home? Is it something you have to host somewhere externally are you paying per month to host it how does that work for the actual server i don't know if i'm exactly a plex super user but i think the typical case most of my friends and me will run it on a mac it runs all the time and mostly what it's doing is watching so when you go in and configure plex there's a section called movies there's a section called tv there's a section called music there's a section called photos and it's pretty canny about figuring this stuff out so let's say you want to be able to get let's say you're not maybe you're not an itunes match person or you're not an apple music person maybe you just want to avoid itunes altogether when you configure plex you click on to configure the music section it you point it at the folder where your music lives and it basically, it's not doing anything to the media. It's not, I don't think it's touching the media at all. It's using all that metadata to then create an interface that'll be accessible from anywhere. So you could listen to that music from anywhere. It's not the greatest experience for music, especially uh, if you have a lot, a lot, but it's, it's, it's not bad and it's, it's getting way better. Um, and so for any of those sections, you basically, it's pretty smart. So you say like, okay, I want to be able to see my pictures on here my photos. I haven't done this, so I'm kind of doing this phonetically. But it basically says, okay, do you want me to point at this this um, 
directory here. Yeah, sure. And then be able to look at my photos. Now, for stuff like home movies, like let's say you've had a flip camera, you've had an iPhone, you have all this stuff, you've got all your movies locally and you want to be able to view them without getting into the iCloud thing. This is really great because you can, for example, say point when, when you configure your home movie section, you can point to many different uh, folders like all over your computer. So if you've got a bunch of your kids' baby videos in this folder, you can point to that. You can point to, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. Now, if you have stuff that you've ripped from DVDs or that you, uh, primarily that's not like how you're going to get it, is you rip it from a DVD, you name it correctly, and that's now going to be something that you can v- view remotely with Plex. And I so, just want to emphasize this, when we talk about running a server, I don't want anybody, and I don't want any human being to be put off by that process. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not like a hosted box in the cloud. Right. It's your the, Mac. Now, I, I have a Mac Mini sitting in our entertainment center, which is otherwise empty, uh, with just the Mac Mini and the Apple TV in it, and a Roku, I think, still. And, uh, and, and that's it. And so I took this old Mac Mini, and you download Plex, you install it the way that you would install any regular application, and then you can just unplug everything from the computer and put it underneath something, and all of your other devices, whether it's your iPhone, your iPad, your... Uh, your Roku, now the Apple TV, they see it. They see the Plex that there is a Plex server running on the current network and they connect to it. And there's also, I'm hoping you're going to tell us about Plex Pass. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple more neat things. Well, <clears throat> so then uh, if you, we, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago or last week, maybe with the Apple TV was how frustrating it used to be that if you wanted to be able to stream something to an Apple device and you had it in a format that Apple didn't directly support, didn't transcode directly. Like, like it used to be you would rip stuff to AVI or whatever. And so, you know, that was not something that the Apple ecosystem likes. Plex will also transcode automatically for you. So if it's in any of the many, many formats that Plex can understand, it will be able to transcode it and stream it. You, you know, obviously the more powerful your, uh, the system running it is, the better it will stream. But then you can go in also with Plex and say, it, per device, you can go in and configure what kind of quality you can tolerate. So if you're watching a lot of stuff on your iPad in a hotel room, you can tell it that, you know, go to a lower bit rate and smaller, you know, size. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. So there's, uh, and then and there's PlexPass. And what do you get with PlexPass? PlexPass allows you to, I think it's, what is it, $10 a month? I think like it that? is, yeah. Um, the first thing I think of is it, it allows syncing. This is the first thing I think of. What's the first thing you... Th- Let me go look up PlexPass. What's the first thing you think of with PlexPass? Definitely syncing. The other thing that I think is incredibly useful with PlexPass is you can you can get to... I, and I and tell me if the regular Plex lets you do this because I've been on PlexPass for so long, but you can get to your server and configure it very easily online. Is that just built into Plex now or do you need PlexPass to do that? I think it is. Let me just look this up real quick. But basically, um, when you're to, as you look that up, the syncing part is so cool because, like, I'm about to go fly to San Francisco, and I want to take a bunch of movies, some of which I've seen many times, and I just like to to travel with. There's also, um, you know, some some other media that is super useful to have, whether it's music or whatever. Like, you just want that offline, right? Well, you can sync this up so you go and you hit, you look at the movie and you tap the little down arrow and it copies it from your Plex server into your Plex app. And it's just uh, but, there. Like, but it's the neat part is there's two parts, at least two parts to this. So you think about it, like in my case, I've got a Mac, 
uh, that this is running on where I can, you know, and it's all accessible through a web browser, basically, is, is prim- primarily how you would use it, um, like on the desktop. Um, but then the, the iOS device, uh, the iOS apps are pretty good. They're, they're pretty amazing. And so you can go in and like Dan's describing, you can go in and look at OpenPlex on your iPad. And there's a couple ways to do this. One way to do it is to go in on your iPad, browse through whatever media you want on there. And then like you say, click the down arrow and then that downloads that locally to that device. And you get to choose what, what quality you want, which will govern like basically how quickly it encodes it and puts it on there. The other neat thing though, is that you can, let's say you have your Plex running on an app or running on like, maybe you've got it running on your home computer but that you don't want to strain too much and you don't want to leave Plex running all the time. You can have a cloud sync, which means you go in and point it to your Dropbox. I'm trying to think of what the other ones are. It's Dropbox, it's Box, it's maybe Google Drive. But you can basically go in and say, and you can even allocate certain certain amounts of space to say, okay, this is this media. I want you to go sync this to my Dropbox account at this level of quality. And that means even if you quit the Plex server on your Mac, that's still accessible. So, you know, there's Plex is actually multiple parts. There's, there's, there's the Plex apps, the clients that you use to, to look at your media right. or listen to your media. And then there's the server stuff. But then you can also have multiple servers and have them be discoverable. So, for example, like let's say you've got, you've got one running in, you know, wherever that, that's, a, that's a Plex installation. And you can point to that. You could also have one locally in your house and it can point to that. And it'll just show up as different libraries mm-hmm. a la iTunes. So, you'll see all that stuff in there. You can even have it discover local things. So, if you've got stuff on your iPad, it can discover that as well, I believe. Yeah, your, I- your iPad itself becomes a server that you can then pull from and watch on another Plex somewhere else. It's that's really cool. Yeah, and if you don't have, if you're not, let's say you're, um, let's see, how do you do this? I know, for example, there's a way to throw it to the TV. Like if you're watching something on your iPad, there's a little button you can hit that'll then send it um, to the TV. So hopefully, and here's some of the other things you get um, with Plex Pass, Mobile Sync, Cloud Sync, Plex Home. That allows you to have managed accounts, so you can go in and have like certain accessibilities for different people in the house. So you get kids. Uh, it also then I think allows you to share stuff with people on a, a fairly granular basis. You can get camera uploads, um, trailers. You can have it set to show you a certain number of trailers before you watch a movie. I think that's kind of a fun idea. Uh, you get early access to app, uh, new new versions and stuff like that. So that's uh, that's the high level. The, the downside of, of Plex, if there is a downside, is it, it is a little bit of a lifestyle. It's, it takes a while to get set up. You want to name stuff in a way that Plex understands. They have really good documentation. But like if it's, if it's stuff that you've ripped, like you, there's a certain way of naming things so they'll understand it. And when you hear us say things like S1E6, meaning Season 1, Episode 6, it, it understands that. So if, however, you basically just need to learn how to name things. And once you've named stuff right, it like kind of just runs itself. So I, I think it's actually really great, especially for people with kids. Where like all of the movies that over time my kid has wanted to watch multiple times, I sync up in such a way that we can get to it wherever from, you know, wherever. And it's a, it's a great service. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. I think I don't know. I don't know if we made much of a sales job for it, but um, and once you've gotten the basic stuff set up, it is very easy to manage, and it does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. And so you know, so you know, this is why everybody you hear people talk about Plex, Plex, Plex. Getting Plex as an official thing that can run on the Apple TV, just if it was a totally crappy version of Plex, it would still be amazing. Yeah. But as it happens, I'll just stipulate. I think Plex might be the best app that I've got on my Apple TV right now. 
It's very, very well made. It's very polished, very smart, and does stuff that other Plex clients don't do. It actually, it's, it's on par with looking at Apple Media on your machine. So, for example, I don't know if you've done this yet, but have you, have you gone into where, have you arrowed down while you're inside of a movie? What happened? On, on the Apple TV? Oh, yeah, well, you know, that's so cool. So, yeah, you get the top, the top stuff, which is like you get, it, get, it downloads, met, and it gets the, once it knows the metadata, it can do stuff like add posters, banners, all the stuff that'll make it look really pretty on your machine. But then if you um, kind of arrow down on your Apple TV, it also then will show you like, okay, this is an action movie. Here's other action movies you have. This is a comedy. Here's other comedies that you have. You go down a little, oh, you'll see stuff like, uh, it'll show you reviews, little capsule reviews from all the different places it's been reviewed. Go down further, you see the cast list. You say, okay, oh, this has Clancy Brown. Click to show me other things I have with Clancy Brown in it. Why? Because it's automatically grabbing all of this metadata for you from any of the various TV, movie, music databases. And it does all that for you. You don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. Now, to somebody who's never used something like this before, you might go, okay, well, that's great. It sounds like it's an iTunes thing, kind of. And But, like, it's it would be difficult to describe to you how what a pain in the butt it used to be to do anything like this back in the day. They, they've done a really good job of making it polished, making it pretty, making it automatic. And, like I say, once it's configured, it just kind of runs itself. Just goes. It's like a trucker. Mm. And so you can go and I'm logged in right now. So let me sign out. When you go to the Plex homepage, you'll see that there are like a variety of different things that you can get. Um, like I say, I, I'm pretty invested in just this, this one. Okay. So yeah, Plex mobile apps. You can download the apps. You've got uh Plex home theater. So the, the one we use, I guess is called Plex media server. Yes. Plex media server. Ver- that's what we are putting on our Macs at home. Yeah. You can run that on a computer or on NAS. I know there's some Synologies. I've been looking into this. You can get a Synology that's got enough power to be able to um, do transcoding for you. That sounds like a very interesting thing. Uh, you can get something called Plex Home Theater. And so basically, what does that run on? I believe this is for people who want to who do, who do not want to have a Roku or an Apple TV, but they want to have a computer... Like a Mac Mini, that, yeah, thing. a Mac Mini or a, a Windows machine or or even a Linux machine. I think that that then becomes your media player, home theater experience, uh, right. in, 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 and lets you browse. It kind of like the XMBC boxy stuff back in the old days. I think that's the most I've I've read about it. And, and but then if you have a smart TV, uh, I know a lot of people would prefer to just run on their smart TV. No problem. You can go get this for your smart TV as well. I got, I got a little bit more to say about this. Did you want to tell me about uh, something else that you like? Sure, I can tell you about Fresh Books. Fresh Books. Because we all love the idea of like being our own boss. and We all love the idea of getting paid. Getting paid, right? That's the thing that, that people quickly start to realize that, you know what, I did this freelance project or I started my own little business and I have clients and I'm working with people and I want to invoice them. That part, not terrible, but it's time consuming. And it's weird because you start making these makeshift invoices in, you know, Word or Pages, and those are okay. But that's only the first part of this, what can sometimes become a very long process of actually like getting paid, you know? And the more success you have, the more you're going to be invoicing. So as you grow your business, you're sending out more and more invoices and for bigger and bigger amounts, we hope, right? So you want to get paid. And that's what FreshBooks does. It helps you get paid. There are so many really wonderful features built in to make sending the invoices easy, to make seeing that those invoices have been sent and received easy. Because you can, it's not like spying, but 
when you send one of these invoices, FreshBooks sends a link to the person so that you send it to the accounting department at company A and the project manager at company B. You can then check back and say, oh, cool. I see right when they opened that invoice because that tracks their click. And then you see that, oh, now I can start that countdown for my net 30 or whatever it is. They It gives you ways to pay. You can even integrate like uh, you're getting your receipts and tracking expenses. You get real-time reports of, how much you're owed, how much you've received, all of this stuff with really, really great support behind it. And uh, did you know that on average, FreshBooks, they did a study, FreshBooks customers double their revenue in the first 24 months and you get paid an average of five days faster. You can even do stuff like record billable time. I mean, everything is built into this. It integrates with Google Apps, Zendesk, Basecamp, MailChimp, LiveChat, WooFoo, you name it, they're working There's on one thing we have, we don't talk about enough, I think. What's that? And it's it's an elephant in the room for you and me, or like such as it's so obvious. But here's the other thing. If you do your invoices in, in any of the other, all the great apps, if, whether you're doing that in, in Pages or you're doing with Google Docs or whatever, well, you created a, like a piece of paper you can send somebody or a PDF you can send somebody, but how are you going to get paid? Yeah. Now, let's be super clear about this. There are configurable payment gateways in FreshBooks. So you can go in and say, I, I, I want to be paid via PayPal. I want to get paid via, what are the other ways? There's, they, they have their own um, internal one. I think, is it not Square, but what's the other one? But you can basically go in and however you want to get paid, make it easy for that person. So if you like to be paid via PayPal, when that invoice goes out, there's a big button that just says pay via PayPal. They can click that button. So if it's like a small amount and that's the easiest way for everybody. So this is more than just, I want to just be super clear. This is more than just sending out an accounting of what is due. It's also, it's taking care of being the conduit for getting paid. I love it. Go check it out. You can see it at freshbooks.com slash back to work. And then there's a little section that says, how'd you hear about us? Be sure to type back to work into, uh, into that section. That'll let them know. You heard about it here and support the show and get you started with uh, some really, really great service. FreshBooks. Thank you, FreshBooks. I have added something to the show notes for this episode uh, that I'm going to ask if you have 36 minutes, please find 36 minutes and watch this video of John Cleese talking about creativity. I think it's really, really quite good. Dan, and as much as you can say, where would people find uh, show notes for episode Diggity 246 of your Back to Work program? Uh, 5x5.tv slash B. 2W slash 246 is the place to go. So one more thing uh, about Plex, and I, I get the feeling a lot of people may not know about this, but I I really love this. Um, well, first of all, like I say, there are channels. If you, if you, you know, it seems like you can get Netflix anywhere these days, which is cool. That's great. Um, I, I would prefer to use a native Netflix client on whatever device I'm using, but you can, like, for example, like I say, on the web, if, you know, you can run all that right inside of Plex via the web if you want. I think what people maybe may not know that you need to really know about is that there's a section uh, in your Plex app. This doesn't work on every single device, but it works on Apple TV. Uh, it works on the web. It works in lots of places. Uh, there'll be an area in Plex called something like online, which you may not think to even look at. But um, here's what you can do. You can install a bookmarklet in your desktop web browser. Right, so you go and you add this Plex Plexit um, bookmarklet, and like right now, I'm I'm on the YouTube page for this John Cleese creativity talk. While I'm looking at this page, all I have to do is click on that Plexit um, bookmarklet, and a little frame slides open on the left, 
And you have to be logged in to your Plex account to do this, your Plex Pass account. But anyway, it basically, it will go and if there is a video on that page that it can find, it will add that video, embed that video video essentially uh, into your Plex app. Oh, that's cool. So why would you do that? Well, like I... I come across a lot of stuff that I, especially longer stuff that I'd like to watch and I'd like to watch it on a TV. If it's a long thing, I'd really rather watch it on a TV. This is such a great way to watch videos. It works for, I mean, again, it's not perfect because you know, the way videos are embedded can be a little wacky, but I've used it for lots of stuff on YouTube, on Vimeo, uh, lots of different places. And essentially if it's an, as my understanding is if it's an embeddable video, uh, you'll be able to watch it when you're back on Plex. This is so great to be able to just browse through, uh, all the videos you want to watch, have them in a pile waiting for you right there. You don't have to like, you know, use some wonky program to download them and put them in a folder. It's all right there. I, I think that's tremendously useful. If you start using that, you'll be a happy person. Well, I think it's also useful, not just because you can find the stuff that you like and save it for later, but because like now that my son is seven, almost eight, he, and he, you know, he has an iPad to use. He understands like we try to have the wi-fi off he under, you know my wife gets kind of paranoid about the wi-fi and she doesn't really like you know they're they have like they, they sit with it on their lap or their chest he, she's like i don't really want the wi-fi right on so we've taught him to turn off the wi-fi but he's smart and he's figured out that you can turn the wi-fi on and you can launch safari and you can open youtube and you can look at stuff and he's you know He's following related videos to the videos that are okay. And <laughs> I go in there to look at one thing and then related videos are my next two hours. You know, and it's not just that he gets sucked into it, but not, I don't want him watching all of the related videos. So, you know, being able to separate what you're talking about out sounds like it, it could work for this to be able to say, okay, you can watch just these videos. It do, does it still show the related stuff? Can you do that in the Plex app on, on like the Apple TV or does it? segregate them out better i don't think so i think if i remember so you can still use the youtube app and i, I again i want to underscore we had so much uh, negativity about the apple tv first run experience but i think the apple tv youtube app is pretty good so if you've got an apple tv the, that, that that youtube is a good place to watch that again if you click watch later in youtube you, you'll go find that just fine like when you go to your apple tv right i think when you're watching looking at it in plex i i'm trying to remember if it shows related stuff i feel like it doesn't because it's it like i say i think it's the equivalent of embedding i guess whatever would be in an embed it would do but it doesn't show you it doesn't have a right rail or anything like that because right. again remember it's not just youtube it's anywhere there's video on a page so you know if you want to watch uh tony Zhu's latest you know every every frame of painting like you can throw that to your um your plex and you can watch it on your big screen so, you know, to get started, you can go get the free version, try it out, see if it looks right for you. If you're going to really do it, it takes a little bit. It's going to take you some time to get it configured um, and running the way you want. But, you know, you might want to just give it a throw. And, you know, there is a lot of information out there. I think their support documentation is very good, especially go and find. There's one I'm forever looking at, which is the Plex page on like how to do naming. I'll actually go find that page. Um, but that's that's my uh, that's my high level on Plex. And that's why we were so excited to have it, because now, you know, your your personal like media collection is available everywhere and there's no iTunes involved. I mean, it's really nice because for so many reasons, being able to get at that content wherever you are on especially I mean, it just works so well with the iPad. The experience of the Plex app on your iPad is it's just really, really great. And a friend of mine, uh, you, you know, back before we had I, a, there before there was an official Plex app for the new Apple TV. So for those who are listening and being like, 
great. I don't have the new Apple TV and I don't really plan to get one for a while. I just got the old one or whatever. Uh, or you don't have a Roku or an Amazon Fire TV. You can still make this work with AirPlay. So you can get the Plex app on your iPad or even, I suppose, your phone. Why not? Yeah. Play it and then throw it right up to the Apple TV and it will it will play just fine on the Apple TV. And one of my friends who has an older Apple TV does this all the time because they want to watch it on their regular TV, but they don't want to go and buy a new device just to do it. You can get around that limitation uh, by by essentially streaming it from your Apple uh, device or iPad or iOS device to the Apple TV. That works. Yep. 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 I'm just looking at this, uh, the page, I added this to notes, the page on media preparation. One of the other neat things you can do is if you've got, let's say you've ripped like a Blu-ray and you've got like a whole bunch of extra features and stuff like that. If you name them correctly inside of the subfolder, mm-hmm. I can't get into this too much on the air because there's a lot to this. Yeah. But basically, you if you enter in, um, put it in the right folder with the right name, it will interpret that as being extra things, not just an additional movie. And uh, so that's one case where you have to do a little bit of heavy lifting because you've got to name things correctly. Mostly, though, like if, if you've got a copy of Birth of a Nation. Oh, gosh, this is going to be embarrassing. No, I don't know. Was it 1914? Oh, this is so embarrassing. But let's say you, uh, 1915, I was close. Let's say, so you name it, The Birth of a Nation, and then parentheses 1915. You name that and name the folder that it's in that. Right. You, it'll do just fine. It'll suck down the metadata. You get all the racism right in there. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a troubling movie. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty brain dead easy. So yeah, Plex. 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 Is that enough on that? I mean, I think so. I just, I I'm want... more than willing to talk more. I just, I don't want to drive people crazy with the software talk, but I, I'm happy to talk more about it because I think it's a very powerful app. And I, I was thrilled when they announced that it would be on the Apple TV. And I, again, just to underscore what Dan said, Plex is about running a server mostly. And how you use it, my goodness, there's so many different ways you could use it and where you, where you can use it. But, you know, like I say, if you're going to be going off, you don't even need to have a TV. <laughs> you know, if you're going to go on the road and you want to have this, this movie for your kid, like you just sync that with the uh, device and you're good to go. Well, so when I, when I was at the Renaissance uh, f- Festival with my boy, we had one of those uh, really fancy hotel rooms that has like the two... Uh, beds in the one room and then it has like a separate room with the sofa it and, is sweet yes uh, but it was they all had that at this place so it was like a family like one for a family like an embassy so, yeah yeah like that so he he was in there sleeping you know they the kids go to bed early they go to bed at like eight something eight thirty and he you know it was a new it was a new space and he said well dad can you leave the door open i said no i can't leave the door open I and mean, we watched watching tv out there what are you talking about He's like, well, it would help me sleep. I'm like, I, you don't need sleep. You just stay up. He's like, come on. I said, fine, I'll leave the door open. So that meant that I was not going to be watching on the TV. I was going to be watching on the iPad. But it was fine anyway because, like, I watched Plex from the, on the crappy hotel Wi-Fi. It worked just fine, you know? I had my headphones in, relaxed, watched a couple movies. It was great, you know, and that's that's the thing is I didn't have to worry about what am I going to watch, how am I going to get it connected, whatever. It's all right there. And there have been times, I will tell you this, I was on vacation a while ago on one of these rare beach vacations, and the internet was so terrible that I said, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to use the uh, the cell service on the iPad. And I did the thing I was just describing where I, I it just played over the cell service 
and you can lower and reduce that content. And you know what? It didn't look great, but it was fine. Like I watched a movie. It was fine. Yeah. So that, that feels a little magic when you can do it that. It really does. I did that when I was in Portland with like, eh, okay, good Wi-Fi. One of the first things I do whenever I go anywhere, well, there's two things I do. <laughs> whenever I'm on Wi-Fi anywhere, I do generally two things. First of all, I'll you know do the like usually captive portal sign in. Uh, the very first thing that I do is open up, uh, I forget the name of the app, but it's, it's like Speed Tester. I've got an app like that on iPad. And I will go and I will run Speed Tester on the Wi-Fi. Then I shut off Wi-Fi and I run Speed Tester against whatever the, you know, wi- or the uh, wireless service is there, right? Yep. So, you know, the, you know, f- the LTE or whatever. And if, if, if the... If the Wi-Fi is significantly faster, it's amazing how often these days, I know this sounds bananas, but it's so crazy how often these days hotel Wi-Fi is actually slower than LTE. Yes, it's insane. And so I kind of think a little bit about what I'll be doing, you know, will there be a lot of media consumption? Can you tolerate that? So sometimes I'll just stay on LTE. But then, not to make this a plug, if I am going to be on that Wi-Fi, I turn on Cloak immediately. Always turn on Cloak. Cloak is a VPN service that makes it, you can basically set it to like automatically VPN any network you consider untrusted. Is this an app? Yeah, it's an app. It's a service you get for, I don't know, 10 bucks a month. And you can put it on your iOS devices or on your Mac. And it will automatically detect if you are on an unfamiliar network. It'll automatically turn on the VPN for you. There's a little bit of Disney magic where you have to go in and like update the provision or whatever. But it's really, it's pretty fast to do. And then you've got a much safer way to be using Wi-Fi. Cloak, super simple VPN. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, in disclosure, they have sponsored things I've done, but I was a user a long time before that. I'm still a very happy monthly subscriber. It's drop-dead easy to use, and, uh, you know, it's you can just at least latch the screen door a little bit. I would not... I would be, Every time you see a Wi-Fi network that, that, whether or not it has a little lock on it, I would just assume that everything on that is getting sniffed. You know, it's... It's a real... It's a pretty crazy demo... There's a Firefox extension going around a couple of years ago. What was that called? There's a Firefox extension where basically you could turn, open Firefox, you hit this thing, and it just grabs everything it can from the Wi-Fi. And it's trivially easy uh, for, especially anybody that's not on HTTP connections, to just steal anybody's cookie and like become them in a Starbucks. It's super creepy. That's creepy. Yeah. So VPN's like a good that. idea. Yeah, it is. Uh, put Cloak in the notes. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. This and there's a free trial with it too. I I, I do. Oh my goodness, cloaks. Yeah, cloaks it's not VPN. the Flappy Bird looking game. Well, I searched for cloak and then I saw a lot of pictures of ladies who look like elves. <laughs> That's Google for you, huh? Yeah, elves, medieval or renaissance? Uh medieval. Technically both. Okay, you get half a ding. <laughs> get a demi ding. How you doing? I'm good. You feeling good? Yeah, I feel real good. Greetings, sir. Greetings. Hoisted by your own petard. That will be five pounds, my lord, and my lad. Rather, five literal British imperial pounds. Beeswax candling. Beeswax candling. Pounds of feathers would be fine, or pounds of iron. If you wish to cross my bridge, (laughs) you must tithe the troll. Yes. Tithe thy troll. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's uh, that's all good stuff. Yeah. Uh, exhausted. Are you tired? Yeah, I'm a little tired. Actually, I had a really good night's sleep. 
I've been trying to go to bed earlier, but I did have a very hearty dinner last night. And, um, you know, when it's cold, you like to have hearty foods. So we had some uh, slow cooker food with rice and it made me a little logy. But I feel, I feel good. I feel good today. Um, so I, I, should I go to my crazy topic? Yeah, I would love to hear it. Please. I have absolutely nothing prepared for this, but it's something I've been thinking about that goes back to a lot of stuff that, eh, eh, it's been a bee in my bonnet for 10 years now. Um, how do you, how do you decide when and how do you decide what you're going to work on in a given day is the question. Is this, this is the topic or you're asking me this specific question? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I guess it's a general question that I'd like people to ask themselves yeah. as well, because I think the way that the way that if we decide how we decide when we decide, like really, if we decide, like, I feel like there's it's so often we feel like we're playing defense all day long. Like from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, you're kind of playing defense. Defense in the sense of feeling like there's all kinds of things being requested of you, but then also defense in the sense of like, just, oh my gosh, how do I get out of all these tennis balls pointed at my face, like long enough to do one thing that I knew I had to do that isn't a new thing. Mm. And so I'm asking at a very high level with uh, no background necessary, because I have some thoughts on how I've been doing this and feeling a little better about it. But like in your case, do you... Do you keep like a running to-do list? Are you relying on calendar items? Like from the time you wake up and go, ah, today, like how do you decide what you're going to work on and when? See, I, th- I think this is such a great topic. I'm glad that you thought of this because it is an, for me, it is an ongoing, often changing problem that I haven't found a really good solution to. For a long time, I was doing it what I knew was the wrong way. And we've talked about this too, was almost like being driven by email, right? So I have these certain blocks of time on certain days of the week that are fairly not really that changing. They're, they're not immutable, but they, they're pretty consistent. One of them would be like this show. We always show up at the same time every week. And if we're not going to be able to make it, we make other arrangements. But pretty much that's how I am with my show recording schedule uh, so I know that those things are kind of built in time blocks. I don't have to worry about that, but that's kind of driven by like the calendar. So if I want, and I, I try to have recording mostly on certain days and no recording mostly on the other days. And that allows me to kind of enact this plan that I have, which is more like you mentioned in the beginning, like a running to do list. So in, I find that I work better on certain tasks at certain parts of the day. For example, writing code or writing words, I'm much, much better at in the morning than I am in the afternoon. I don't know why that is. I think that's true for almost any kind of quote unquote writing. Really? For anybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've told you before, I mean, like when I'm in a writing mode, yeah. I, I had to at length finally realize, first realize, and then accept that I have almost anything good I've ever written, I started writing um, before 10 a.m. Uh, it's a, the, after that, that it gets over like a real thin trail. I've, I, I'll continue writing things throughout the day, but I've rarely started anything really good after uh, really the morning. Mm-hmm. And what I finally had to realize is that my ability to write almost anything after 6 or 7 p.m. 
is for me personally, and this is so different for every person, but it was really hard to accept that I, I have not written that many. I've finished a couple good things, but it's because I had, had a steam on all day long. Mm. I very rarely bootstrap something decent after six or seven, which is peculiar to me, but realizing that was so important because that enables me to this phrase I keep using lately, level my resources to not feel like I have to feel bad about not starting something after seven o'clock because I know that's, that's dumb. Right? That's like having a meeting in the middle of the night. Like, why would you schedule that? Learn that's not a good time to do that. Yeah, that's something that, you know, like, I remember back when I used to work in a very corporate world, you were kind of expected to be, like, productive equally all day. But that's not how I ever worked. I I was much more, and I used to, I, I remember I used to cheat and I would actually wake up because I t- still, to this day, wake up independently without an alarm pretty early in the morning And I remember this is back before kids when I used to work in that corporate world, I would wake up and I would be, you know, it's like five 36 in the morning. I would drink some coffee and I would go and I'd spend an hour or two at that super productive time for me writing, writing code or whatever it was that I was supposed to be doing. And then I would, then I would kind of eat breakfast, get ready for work. And I, they didn't care if I showed up at, at nine, that was fine. Nine 30 even was fine. As long as I was willing to stay, you know, to, to be there when most people were there, but I'd already gotten most of the coding that I needed to do done. They didn't care that I did it from home. I just had it and I, that was it. And so like that worked really, really well for me because that was that super productive time. But I feel like blocking off that kind of time, whenever you are going to be productive at your task, you know, if you're writing, if you're doing code, if you're doing design, whatever it is, like making sure that you block off that time and knowing when you're, most likely to be inspired to write the best stuff you can write. Like that's, that's super hard to do with a schedule where you're being pulled in a bunch of different directions. Right. But you're describing something very interesting, which is that you have to, it's funny. I, I, you know, I I hope I don't seem too precious about this, but I'll often, when I break something down in my head, you know, it's, it's people always say like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do about this thing? It's like, well, the doing is like the last part of the chain. Before you do something, you have to decide to do something. And before you decide to do something, you have to realize you need to do something. I think that realization gets short shrift. And that's why if it seems like I'm being precious about splitting those things up, I'll, I'll, I'll own up to that. But I think you have to realize in your case that your brain and your energy are best directed at certain kinds of things at certain times times a day. I don't think everybody's that copped to that. I think a lot of people beat themselves up about what they can and can't do without ever being fully aware that like, you know, I've got to learn what are the times? Like, do I really want to do something that takes an intense amount of creativity right after I've eaten a big lunch? Right. Like pro- probably not, because honestly, that's a pretty logy time for me. But the, it's the realizing and then the deciding and then the doing that like are a big part of, I think, any kind of self-improvement. It's interesting. So, I'm, I'm looking right now. GitHub has a really cool feature when you are committing your code to one of their repositories. They have this gr- they have this graphs tab so that you can see all different kinds of things about the code that you've written, <laughs> such as cool. such as like, uh, you know, like who who's committing more and when you're committing it and what it's looked like over the last day or week or month or year on a on a particular repository. And they have one view that's called punch card. And uh, it shows you the spread of when you most often commit code and then the size of the little dot on the punch card is relative to how big of a code commit that you did. And it's interesting because I'm looking at this spread right now and it's it's not what I thought it was going to be. I was expecting it to be heavily weighted in the morning. 
Uh, but it isn't. It's actually weighted pretty equally between like the 8 to 11 a.m. time period and then again at like the 4 to 5 time period. And I'm surprised I was committing that much code and writing that much code in the evening because I would have thought there's no way. But but, but you you but you commit the code after you're done writing it, right? That that, that just reflects the end of work. No, the, not the, for me, not for me. I mean, oh. I I hope I hope people are are doing the because com, for me committing code I'm going to commit code the way that you would save a document that you're you're writing. So for people oh, okay. if if this isn't too getting too technical the way that I think, and, and maybe this is old fashioned because I'm not up with the all the agile scrum and all that stuff, pair whatever. But like <laughs> for me, if I'm if I'm working on a, a little feature or something like that, I will I will create a new branch off the master branch. I will do all the work inside of that branch, and when it's done and working and tests are all good, then I will merge that branch back into master. But all along, as I'm working in that branch, any time that I like get a little something working, I'm going to commit that code. And, uh, and, and so I, I won't like, I'm, I would be way too scared to wait more than 30 minutes to commit mm-hmm. some real, because that's what you're willing to lose. I'm not willing to lose, you know, more than 30 minutes of code. Uh, and I think this punch card is showing all of those commits, uh, and, and when I'm doing those commits. So I have to look into that more, but I'll send you this image so you can see what, what I'm talking about. Yeah, put it in uh, notes. I will. It's super interesting. I will. Yeah, um, because I don't know. I, I, I feel like I sometimes, if I'm not mindful about it, I find myself falling into, I don't know if they're bad habits, but they're they're not the best habits. And, and one habit that I know is not a great habit is to start my day maybe even while I'm still in bed, like looking at my phone and like looking at email. Cause here's the problem. Like, like today is that there's notifications. So I've got, you know, do not disturb on, but even from the time I first decide to pick up my phone, I put on my watch, I, I grab my phone. Even when I just pick up my phone, what's the first thing I see? The notifications. Right. And it's almost impossible once you see one notification to not read it and then continue reading all of them. I, I hope I'm describing this yeah. accurately. Like, but like once you pick it up, the screen lights up, you see a notification, you go, oh, you read it. You see, there's another one. Oh, it's a little semi-transparent. There's more here. Flick, 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 more, more notifications. And like, so, so now at that point, it's hard not to just look at the first notification. It's hard not to look through all the notifications. And once you've looked at them, it I find it virtually impossible not to unlock my phone and go look at whether that's a delivery from the deliveries app, whether that's frequently an email from somebody. And now once you've done that, you've officially started your day with new input. It starts out so simple, but I find it, it takes about 10 seconds for me to go from, I don't know what new stuff is being demanded of me or requested of me to like, now I'm all before I've gone to the bathroom, before I have like made coffee, I'm now already ground up with this expectations of the world stuff or stuff I've asked again, like I want to know if this thing's out for delivery, right? That's a good thing to know. But at the same time, do you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a, it's difficult not to look. And if you do look, it's difficult not to immediately start engaging or feeling like I need to respond to this. Oh, I got a text. I got, Oh my God, look at all this Slack activity. Uh, I better go see what that's about. And it's like, I, I love Slack like to death, but like in that case, all of those things are things where I would prefer to look at that even like an hour from now. 
Because that first hour of the day is when my brain gets to be a little more soft and mushy about what I want to do today. Because I've already started partially committing to what the world is asking of me before I've even done the first thing for myself. So that's why a lot of people say, don't check email first thing in the morning. That's getting harder to do, though. For me, with these devices, it's very difficult not to, to use the phrase from David Allen, like not to immediately be overwhelmed with latest and loudest. So I, I think that's a challenge, and that's part of what makes you kind of think about this stuff. Let me tell you about a, a service that uh, does a real good job of helping you not stress out about email so much. What's that? Slack. I've never heard of it. What is it? What's involved with that? It's a messaging app for Teams. A messaging app for Teams. Yeah, it brings all your communication. Can it also be a messaging app for teens? Teens, sure. Okay, thank you. Or for teenage teams. <laughs> Put that on your plex and smoke it. Yeah. It, it takes all your communication at work into one place, integrating with the tools and services you use every day. We were just talking about GitHub. We have a channel in our Slack that shows all the commits that you do right there in, in a little code channel. So when uh, when Chad makes a commit to something, I see a little notification right in there in Slack, which I'm already in. It's already running. It's so cool. Little things like that make it so that you can see the progress of things and it's all like totally automated that's their mission to make people's working lives like simpler more pleasant more productive and it eliminates having to go to all these different apps all these different services to do all of this stuff like in one place i can see a conversation of people about like hey what do you think about this feature how should we do it and right there next to it i'm seeing these code commits it integrates with trello i've talked about trello before and -hmm. how much i like using trello to like manage lists manage topic ideas all of that stuff It'll give you Trello notifications when something's added or moved in Trello. You'll see it. And it's like all of this integration is there. There's over, like, I think they have a hundred integrations, Dropbox, GitHub, Trello, MailChimp, Google Drive, Hangouts, like Dan, all of this Giffy. stuff. Giffy. Giffy. Is Jiffy. 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 Sorry, Jiffy. Jiffy. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to change. Jiffy's the best. What does Jiffy do? You say slash Jiffy mm-hmm. and then the string. So you say slash Jiffy, um... Uh, mischief managed and it will search the Jiffy website for an animated GIF that roughly matches whatever you just searched for and drop it in automatically. You don't know exactly what you're going to get though. So like you could type in like <laughs> slash Jiffy dance. You might it's get frequently completely surreal right. what it chooses. <laughs> you might well, get stormtroopers dancing. I go to Slackbot Slack and practice it before I put it in. <laughs> oh, nice. And just paste the one I want. That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, anyway, there's so many things. And, and the point is, they bring all of this stuff into one place, but they do it in a way that's not cluttered. It's fun. It makes this kind of thing fun. You you want to use Slack, and it's true. They have more than 1.25 million uh, daily active users. So it's a lot of fun, and they made a special URL for this show, slack.com slash back to work, spelled out. Make a new team there. Go to that URL, slack.com slash back to work. Make a new team, and you'll get $100 in credit that you can use when you decide to upgrade to a paid plan because they start out, everything's free. So uh, so support the show and get started using Slack uh, the easy way. Slack.com slash back to work. Go check them out. I love Slack. Love Slack. It's, uh, you know, I've tried to describe this to people. Like, why, why is this such a phenomenon with people? I think one of the reasons it's such a phenomenon is it takes elements that we love from several different really interesting media 
but then leaves out the stuff that's annoying about it. Like it's kind of the best of IRC. It's the best of messaging. It's the best of email. It's the best of shucking and jiving with your pals and puts it all in one place. It's a tremendous app and it's really fun to use. Go check it out. Slack. Check it out. Mark, Mark. Mark. Love Slack. I'm sorry. I got distracted because I'm trying to add this John Cleese video to my Plex. Um, yeah, so something I've started doing, I'll cut to the chase. Something I've started doing um, that is very reminiscent of something I've done periodically over the years is, uh, I, you know, sometimes I can't avoid looking at my phone because, you know, I'll check the weather. I want to see, you know, and if there is, like, I do feel like uh, people know they can get to me. So, like, I should check and see if there's stuff here. How much but are you looking it- at your phone in an average day? Are you one of the people who, like, you bring it out once in a while? Are you looking at it constantly, a whole, always holding it out? What are you doing? It's very heavily modal. Like if, if it's the morning time and I'm hanging out at home, I'm looking at the iPhone or iPad kind of a lot. Yeah. Like if I'm at work and I'm in front of the computer, I hardly pick it up at all. Right. And the watch tells me when to stand. And so, you know, mostly that. But then there's the other mode, which is like, I don't have much to do today by design. I try to keep a couple days a week less completely full. And I'll just be laying there like looking at Twitter all day long, which is a terrible idea. Um so, you know, one thing I've started doing is, and I hate to jump straight to the practical component, as you say, but one thing I'll do is I'll, <laughs> we've got one of those, you know, big, big uh, stainless steel tables in the kitchen, in the middle of the kitchen where all the activity happens. I'll clean that off in kind of a ritualistic way. Sometimes I'll literally clean it. I will like get out the, uh, the, the watermelon spray stuff from uh, Method. Simple, Method, Simple. One of those places that's the watermelon spray. You spray that, you clean the thing off, you make everything simple. You make some, you make some coffee. Mm-hmm. I'll put my laptop on a little step stool so it's like a standing desk. And then I take out one of those dumb Italian notebooks and I start a fresh page. Nice. I start a fresh page. I write, you know, uh, Tuesday, mm. November 10th, 2015 at the top. And then I have this wackadoodle format where I start kind of dumping my brain onto a piece of paper and it's been really nice to go back to, I have to say. You know, I've, I've looked at things like, you know, there's all these great mind mapping apps on the iPad. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I love writing in uh, outlines in TextMate and things like that or NVAlt or whatever. But I've really, I've, it's peculiarly satisfying for me to sit down with a piece of paper and, and do a little like data dump in the morning. And it's, it's kind of been working for me. I don't know if it's making me more productive, but it's making me feel that little bit of ritual is making me a little bit less stressed out about the day. And it's a very un GTD way to do things. Like a big point in like getting <laughs> a very big thing in getting things done is that, you know, David Allen frequently says like, you know, you got to stop doing this thing of like rewriting your to-do list every day. That's a donkey drill. Uh, and I don't exactly do that, but I'd be happy to talk more about how I do this, but that's something I started doing. That's actually been really helpful to me. Um, something I did write down, uh, while you were talking a minute ago, I'm trying to think about like how we end up having to decide what to do each day. Right. And, and you know, like to me, there's like this cascade. Can I do this real quickly? Yeah. You've got the stuff that you have to do today that's scheduled. So in particular meetings, pickups, all the stuff that will break if you don't do it today, like the legitimate, like according to Hoyle, legitimately bronchial stuff that you actually got to do today. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, maybe that could be paying a bill, but I would say paying a bill, I mean, unless it's a shutoff type situation, that's still not as important as pick kid up at school. Right. Like that's a pretty big deal. You can't miss that. Uh, or if for that matter, pick car up from Okay, but you know, hold on. Roll, roll back for a second to picking your kid up. You want me to walk it back? I'll walk it back. Walk it want. back. Because like picking your kid up from school, this is a perfect example of a question that I frequently have as far as, and, and I don't want to go down the whole rabbit hole of the calendar thing, but 
Like, is that something that if you do it every day, do you need it on your calendar? Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And see, that's the mistake that I think I've, I've gotten into the habit of adding that. But in the past, I would have said, well, I know that at whatever three o'clock I need to pick my kid up. So like, I don't need to put that. So do you know, I know, I know I should be saving for retirement too. Right. I know so, a lot of stuff. So, so what I've started to do is put down those things, even though I know about them, and it's it feels better to do it. Oh, oh gosh, uh, let's go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Just for me, I mean, <clears throat> my calendar is all that keeps me from tearing my eyes out. Like I would lose my mind if I did not live by my calendar. As I've said numerous times in the past, like I flatly refuse to talk about anything involving time in a serious way with somebody unless I am holding a device with my calendar in my hand. I, that boy, that, it took me a long time to learn that lesson. But if somebody asks me to do something, I will just frankly say, I can't talk about that because I can't look at my calendar right now. And cause I will go and look at the calendar and I, I'll, you know, I'll risk repeating myself again here, but like, go and look at that day. Look at what is scheduled that day. You know, Oh, if there is something you quote unquote, know you have to do that day. Is it on the calendar that day? Cause you may not be thinking in that mode. What if you have to pick your kid up that day, but you just know it in your head, but it's not on there for God's sake, put it on there. Yeah. If you know, there's a call with somebody that day, don't just put it up in the thing at the top that says, you know, call Jim, like put it, put it on the calendar at the point when the call happens with notes in it, like spare yourself. But then here's the other thing. And I, I, I I'm really w- willing to risk repetition here. Look at, What's happening that day throughout the day? Scroll all the way down. Make sure there's nothing snuck in there. Like somebody's dropping something off for the carnival. Like you got to be home at five. Make sure you saw that. But then also look at what happened the day before. Look at what happens the day after. Were you out late? Are are, are you two have been, boy, here's where the English comes in. Are you two have been out late the night before? Okay. Do you want to schedule that thing at 8 a.m.? I've got a show Wednesday night. Right. So I know that once a month, whatever that is, the second second Wednesday of the month, I have a standing thing I do with Scott Simpson. So I never schedule any, anything if I can avoid it for early Thursday morning because I know I have to be out late doing stuff. But I wouldn't know that unless I had the presence of mind to look back. Right. So look at what you're doing the night, the day before, the day after. And you know what? Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Go ahead and look at everything that's going to happen that week and make sure, oh, that's right. I forgot somebody's in town. I forgot to put a banner across the top. I forgot that some relative is coming into town on Monday. This will bite you in the ass if you don't take care of it. So again, something straight out of getting things done, make that the hard landscape. If there's something that is going to happen, make sure it's on the calendar. So in my case, I have repeating events for all the times I pick up my kid. And yes, I do put in exactly the right time to be there. I do put in the address for where the pickup is. Don't ever have to wonder what, what, what to do when it's time to do it. Like be a dummy. It's great to be a dummy. Let the calendar tell you. You only have to think about it once. You don't have to think about it again. So yeah, uh, I'm, so that's the first kind of thing, scheduled, scheduled stuff. So if I've got a call, I've got like a standing call with one group I work with the, you know, first Monday of every month, that's a repeating event. Oh, that's good to know. Cause then I got Roderick on the line at 10. I know I can only do this for so long. Cause then I got to go do this other thing, right? So there's scheduled stuff. Second kind of thing, you might have a formal task list, whether that's in OmniFocus or a text file or whatever, you got the formal task list and then it gets more mushy. You got an area of stuff that I'm calling on my mind. Like, Think about, I bet there's stuff that's on your mind that you have not officially written down as a task, but that's something to think about, right? You're going to think about it because guess what? It's on your mind. Fourth kind of thing is ongoing projects. Are there kinds of things that you have to do on a pretty mushy schedule, but you got to take care of it? For example, like uh, I do have a weekly reminder to take the trash cans to the curb. I don't have a daily reminder to take out the compost, but there are consequences if I don't take out the compost. 
We get flies and stinkiness. So that's an ongoing project. I, <laughs> that's just part of what I have to do. But, I, you know, I do have to do it. I don't get credit for taking the compost out five times in one day. I've got to take the compost out five times during the week or there's going to be problems. Do, do you know what I mean, though? Yeah. So am, am I a genius for realizing this? No. But the thing is, the on your mind stuff is going to end up burning cycles unless you put it someplace where it's useful. And then finally, here's the big one. Those are all, so you got that. You got scheduled stuff. You got formal task stuff. You got the stuff that's on your mind. You got ongoing projects. And then guess what? You've got everything else that will just come up today. And I think if we are honest with ourselves, we will realize how much of our day, if we look at a pie graph, how much of our day, our time, our attention probably unintentionally goes to everything else that comes up. And if you're not careful, that is the stuff that will run your day. Starting with, before you take a leak, looking at your phone like an idiot right. and seeing what the world wants of you before you've even urinated. Is that sane? Maybe, maybe not. But that's the, I think that's where you feel kind of taken over is by the everything else that comes up. So that, that's my kind of introduction. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And I think people have lost that. You've talked about this before where... I think the failure so many of us make and are willing to make without realizing it is that we are letting other people in effect get to us and dictate what we do and our whole thinking in a kind of a Buddhisty way, right? We're letting other people determine our thinking process from the moment that we wake up in the morning. And which, which, which leads to you feeling like you're playing defense. Right. All day. All day long. Yeah. From the minute you wake up, oh, I, I got to go do this. And I mean, I think it's an easy trap to fall into, especially if you are like if you are a freelancer or if you run your own business or if you're, you know, if you're in that situation where your work and life blend together a little bit, you know, I was thinking back, I was on, I guess it was yesterday or the day before I was working on something that reminded me of a lot of like the way my days used to be when I was working for someone else. And like, especially if you have an office to go into, you know, like it's your time until you get into the office, then you have a little blip of your time at lunch and then you leave the office and you have, you're back to having your time again. And if, you know, if you have that separation, not just in your thinking, but in your physic, the physicality of the place is different. You know what I mean? Like you go to the yeah. roller skating rink, you're going to be roller skating there. You're probably not roller skating at home. And, and, and so you have that separation, <laughs> right? Like you have that differentiation between like, this is an activity that I do in this space. And when I'm not in this space, I might think about it, but I'm not really going to go and do it. And that's completely blurred now for me, for sure. And for so many other people, I imagine, you know, because we have like, we have an iPhone, we have the internet at home. We have a computer at home that can do all the same things that it could do at work. And maybe it's the very same computer, you know, and, and, and we're taking this connectivity with us into every room we go into every place we go. It's unlimited. Whereas before, like going on a walk in the park, that might have meant a disconnection from everything. Now it means carrying your, your watch or your phone with you, and then you're still <laughs> connected. You know what I mean? I'm not saying well, that— Well, yeah, and it's, it's ironic that five years ago, I might have said, gosh, if I'm going to take a walk, the last thing I want to do is bring a phone. Right. But my phone became my iPod. Right. And then um, <laughs> my phone and my iPod eventually became my step tracker. You're and so boy, right. I'm sure not going to miss those steps. No, I've got you're to right. have my phone with me. 
Yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's true. And I mean, there's just whether even if you have the most segmented kind of job. I mean, there's certain kinds of jobs where if you're working at Springfield Nuclear Power Plant, like there's not that much you can do from home unless you're home or, you know, working with the console at home. Pretty right. funny episode <laughs> yeah. uh, with the Dom DeLuise hat. Right. But the uh, but generally like Homer does his job. Well, as such as he does it when he's at the, the power plant, there's not that much you can do at home. But I think that's you're absolutely right. Uh, this is a, such an obvious point, but you have access to information and updates and and to a large extent people still have access to you and we don't always have the clearest communications about all those things but anyway i so like i don't know it's become an interesting ritual for me to sit there with this notebook and walk around in a circle and drink coffee i walk around the table uh, maybe i'll be listening to the radio or something but i'll just start writing down all the stuff that's kind of on my mind for today stuff i don't want to forget and I, I I find that letting myself go into that very loose, relaxed mode, I'm, this is not about doing the stuff right now. This is about processing all the stuff that's on my mind. And so, you know, but it sounds silly, but this, like I say, it becomes stuff like, oh, that's right. I have to pick my kid up at this time yeah. in this area. Um, you know what? We, we need to get more Comet. Now, do I want to do that with a delivery service? Do I want to pick that up at Walgreens? Well, if I'm going to go to Walgreens... I should also drop drop off these library books and go to the ATM. Right. Like this all seems like really obvious stuff and it is obvious stuff. But if you actually think about it, like I find it so much less stressful because I get it all out and then I can gang it into like activities. And if it's something I'm not going to do, I just, I just don't worry about it. But it takes a very relaxed state of mind in order to see connections that you wouldn't normally see. Mm -hmm. Because if you're like me and you just let this stuff bounce around in your brain, it's mainly going to build anxiety and frustration and, and maybe even anger at certain points mm. because you're like, I can't do this stuff right now. Why are you telling me brain? Why are you, why are you reminding me of this when I can't do anything about it? I just think there's something, if you can do it to find a place in your day, I think for me, preferably, definitely preferably in the morning. And I'll just write down like, here's all the projects I'm thinking about today. I need to go record this thing. I do that at the office. Okay. When I go to the office, is there anything I need to bring with me? Oh, you know what? I should bring some more seltzer to the office. Do I have seltzer? I need to order seltzer. <laughs> like treat yourself like a dummy. It's the best thing you can do for yourself because it actually, if you treat yourself like a dummy, you become a very smart person because it allows you to think instead of just regurgitate little bits of information that are just bouncing around inside this, this organ. I don't know. I found it very useful. And so that, that, and that gets me to the, I guess, the point that's the actual point, which is like, how do you decide what you're going to do today? How do you decide how many things you're going to do today, when and where? For you, you've got scheduled stuff, right? Yeah. Whether that's recording a podcast. How do you decide which ad hoc tasks you're going to take care of if you decide that? How and when do you do it? I mean, I don't think I have a good system for that. I have my to-do list that I I use probably more even than a, the calendar, I always, always, always am putting stuff down there and I have a few different lists. And again, Trello is a really kind of like my, I use a combination of Todoist and Wonderlist and I'm kind of going back and forth between the two week by week, which does take work. And it's probably dumb of me to not just pick one, but I will use that list as like the starting point of the bigger tasks that I need to do with with due dates associated with them. And then when I drill down into it, I'm actually sort of switching over to Trello, which has all the like detailed tasks that make up that one kind of bigger entry. So like each item on Wonderlist, let's say, might actually be an entire group, uh, an entire list 
of sub items and tasks that I can then move around on in Trello. So it's a little bit complicated if you think about it like that, but it's just a way to kind of drill down. But as far as that, I, I think I have these larger deadlines of the things that I want to get done. Everything I have kind of has a deadline associated with it. And so as those deadlines get closer and I, I, I can kind of gauge visually by looking at Trello, okay, this stack of lists has more stuff on it. Maybe I should work on that. But it's not very scientific. I admit that. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess one thing I would just encourage, however you think or however you work, like I say, I think that there are certain times where certain modes really work. And part of the artfulness is figuring out when the different modes of your thinking and emotions and energy are best suited for which media right. to, be, to be working in. I find that like I'm being kindest to my mind if I have a piece of paper and this, uh, I got these really cool pencils. What are these called? These are the uh, Palomino Blackwing. They got those. Those uh, are the famous, famous pencils. They're famous pencils, and they got that really nice eraser on the end. Uh, I get one of those. I get my Italian notebook, and I just start writing stuff down. And here's how I do it, because people care, I'm sure. Up in the upper left hand, so first of all, I write the date at the top of the page. That's part of the ritual. And then I do a little short list of all the projects I need to touch in some way today. Like, here's the podcast. I know whether or not there are tasks I know. These are projects that must be worked on today. Over on the right side of the page, top like top-ish, right-ish area, I start writing down specific single tasks I know that I need to do today. Like I, maybe it could be that I need to pay this bill, that I need to go run this errand, whatever it is I need to do. I put all those things there. I need to email somebody about this thing. At the bottom right part of the page, uh, I do things like it's usually like shopping list things, things mm-hmm. I know I need to buy. A right. little different, but I start I start writing from the bottom of the page up, so that kind of keeps a nice little balance to it. And then on the lower left, I start just writing down. Uh, stuff that just kind of occurs to me that I'd like to do. That's the kind of the special area. That's daddy's area. That if there's just stuff like, oh, you know what? I'd like to play more guitar. Or in this case, I realized I wanted to play more guitar last week. So what did I do? I looked at my guitar with its corroded strings. Guess what I needed to do? Strings. Order guitar strings. Did I do that? Yes. I went to Amazon and I ordered three sets of guitar strings. Okay. Now, before you did that, did did you make an item on your to-do list to order the strings? Or like, did you do it right then? No. You know what I do? I also keep my iPad. Actually, I do keep my iPad nearby. If it's something, there are some kinds of tasks where it really does make sense. And this breaks the system a little bit, but I think it's sensible. If it's something I want to add to our grocery delivery service, it makes a lot more sense to just add it to my shopping cart on there, on the iPad, than it is to write it on the page. It depends on my state of mind, but that's fast. If I know I need to ping Alex over at Cards Against Humanity about an upcoming song for, hi, Alex, she's probably not listening, but I would rather just respond right there real quickly. I don't need to write it down. That's done. All I need to do is bat that back to her. She's very responsive. And then, uh, and then if it's something that I need to add to Amazon, I might do that right from there. But like, as silly as that sounds, there's nothing dramatic about any of that. The general idea to want to play more guitar, that's not rocket science. Well, am I playing more guitar? No, not yet. Why? Well, hmm. You know why? My strings are really gross. Okay, what are you going to do about that? I guess I need to get new strings. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Go to Amazon. Say, send me some strings. Send me some strings. Are you playing more guitar yet? Nope. How come? Strings didn't get here yet. Oh, check. Deliveries. Ping. Guess what? (laughs) Strings have arrived. Okay, you playing more guitar yet? Nope. How come? Uh, Didn't take the strings of the office. Okay, you want to do that? Yep. Take the strings of the office. How you doing? You playing more guitar yet? Nope. How come? Have not put the strings on the guitar yet. Okay, you want to do that? Yes. 
I have not done that yet. So that's where I am. But like as silly as that sounds, I, I learned that the reason I'm not playing more guitar is my the old ones are really gross and they won't stay in tune. And now I'm like a step away from playing guitar. That's all I have to do. That's just one stupid thing that I don't have to do. Right. But that's how I walk through to that. So the right, you, you can find the way there's a million. Please don't send me all the, all the links on this. I know there are various, many various ways to take notes, but like you'll find a way that works for you, but that's not nearly as important as accepting that there is probably a time of day when you can steal a few minutes from yourself to not have to do anything except think about what it is that you're doing. David Sparks has talked about this a lot with how he uses OmniFocus. I don't know if this is still accurate and up to date, but he frequently, you know, he's a, he used to be a busy lawyer guy. Now he's a lawyer guy and a podcast guy and a writer guy. But used to be when he was a busy lawyer guy, almost exclusively, he would look at OmniFocus for 30 minutes in the morning, look at it for 30 minutes at the end of the day, and then just work throughout the day, tossing things to OmniFocus, looking at it just enough to know what's next. I think it's an incredibly sane system. Like, you don't want to be sitting there having to think about what you need to do all the time. That way lies madness. You write the <laughs> stuff that needs to be done on your calendar. You write the stuff that needs to be done on your task list. And then once you've thought about it, you don't have to think about it again. And you feel less stress. I was talking to a pal of mine yesterday about um, some work stuff he's dealing with. And I was just saying, I want this is a very GTD and un-GTD thing. But writing down every morning, writing down the projects I need to touch today uh, makes them feel alive again. Like, I'm not stuck with some list I've got to revisit and groan about. I'm doing that thing David Allen says never to do, which is I'm kind of rewriting my to-do list every day. Because mm. it should, to me, it should be different every day. If something keeps appearing, and I'm, that's not everything I have to do, it's really like the five things I really want to or need to do today. But I try to do it at a time of repose when, I'm, when I don't feel set upon by the world. Because once you've let that in, once you've opened that floodgate and the demands of the world come in, you'll never have another second during the day to think about, you're going to just feel bad about the stuff you didn't do. But I don't know. I just feel like it's just the smallest little psychic beachhead. You know, I, I want to just start this invasion force thinking about what it is I'd like to accomplish today and then looking forward to the next morning. Like that, make that a habit. Like now the next morning I'll do the same thing again and then uh, someday I'll die. <laughs> That's it. Okay, dying. Renaissance or medieval? Medieval. 100%. Dan, <laughs> did you want to tell me about something that you like? The last thing I'll tell you about today is Squarespace. Talk about Renaissance. Talk about Renaissance. It's the most Renaissance service I think there is. Uh, it's the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store. And that's the thing. You know, I remember when they just launched the store and added that in, how blown away we were. But that's just their MO. Squarespace looks at what, you, what people want to do when they're making a website. And they look at what people generally are good at. And they say, you know what? Most people are not really good at building online stores. Most people are not experts at that. Most people are good at doing other things like writing or making music or coming up with something cool that they want to sell or making a podcast and wanting to put it out there in the world or opening a restaurant and wanting to put their hours and you know their menu up online. They make all of those things and so many more things just super simple, as straightforward and easy as you could possibly imagine. That is what they do. I did a little site called baconmethod.com where you can see how to like make bacon really easily. And we decided we would sell some magnets and stickers and t-shirts. And that was as easy as just like clicking a button. And now you have a store that's open. It's amazing. They thought of everything and they even figure out shipping. So many people, including I think you use it to host podcasts because it's such a straight. Roderick, Roderick on the line. This is, that's a Squarespace hosted podcast. Who knew? hundred percent. Yep. It starts at just eight bucks a month. And you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. 
millions of people using this, and uh, you don't even need to give them a credit card to get started. Uh, the URL is squarespace.com slash back to work. When you decide to, uh, you like what you see there, you've ingested your content from uh, other places if you want, you can do that. Use the offer code, it's your show, all one word, it's your show, to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for uh, Back to Work with Merlin Mance. That URL again, squarespace.com slash back to work, code to use, it's your show, 10%. Go check them out. Thanks uh, very much to Squarespace for making the show uh, possible with Merlin Man. Buck, buck. I am a fan. I'm a fan of man. Witness me. <laughs> I think I just spelled misspelled medieval. I can't Mis- spell it. Spelled medieval. It's got an A in it. Okay, the A in medieval. Renaissance from medieval. Medieval. <laughs> oh my god, Dan! We have really helped a lot of people this week. This is a good week uh, a big for week. help for helping people with plaques. Yeah. And uh, paper. Yes. Yes. Y- yes. Yes. Alec Baldwin. I was listening to his, uh, you know, his, uh, his, uh, here's the thing show is back. Was it gone? He, uh, well, I think he, you know, took some time off to do other things, but uh, he had uh, Amy Schumer on this week and it's, it's delightful. Oh, I bet that would be a good one. She's a very interesting person. I like her a lot. Um, I think it's probably enough for this week, don't you? Yeah, I do. Is there anything else you want to offer to help people? Uh, Plax, Plax.tv. So if you, what would you recommend in terms of like, do you have a way of helping people get started with Renaissance and medieval fairs? Is there a certain way to dress? Should you dress in layers? Uh, Is there anything they should bring along? Did you you use a lot of hand sanitizer, I'm guessing? Uh, Not as much as you would have thought. Not really. The only time I think was right before, right before we ate, but Right, right before the turkey leg, right before the turkey but it's it's a fun time. I mean, bring a lot, bring a lot of cash because mm-hmm. everything is expensive. Everything costs pounds and pounds of cash. Pounds of cash. It costs money. It costs money to go to one of these things. And there's a lot of bespoke items that you will you will want. I didn't really know the last <laughs> time that I went to any kind of festival like this. It was called a medieval festival. It was actually called that, and there was jousting and a human chessboard. And, uh, and, and other things like that. And I think I was in sixth grade and we were encouraged to make a costume and I had some kind of tunic that I wore to it along with all of the other kids in my class who all dressed up dressing up though. I want to encourage people. It's not mandatory, but if you're going to do it, you've got to go big or go home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, really, really commit. Yeah. Really commit to it and have a whole be willing to to be in people's pictures. There were a lot of people, who, and I put a picture of this on Instagram. A lot of people were uh, not what I would call, when I think of like someone dressing up as an animal, I usually think of like a, a furry. Is that the right word for that? Furry? That's a, that's a kind of animal dressing up, yeah. This is not like that. This is more along the lines of if you wanted to bring a character from uh, the fantastic Mr. Fox to life, you would have a very detailed, finely crafted, almost you would be a human being with perhaps a tail and the head of a fox or the head of a rabbit that's finely detailed. And so there was a lot of that that was very, mm. do you remember, what was that? What was that? Uh, that Donnie, Dar- Donnie Darko. Well, yeah, but there was a book when we were kids, there was like a riddle and there was a, a rabbit, and the, you you had to find 
the hidden stone, the hidden jewel. Watership Down. No, that's great though. This was in the eighties. And it was a little mm. it was a little uh it this is gonna bug me, Merlin. Yeah, you're gonna have to go find this out. Masquerade. But, uh, it was called Masquerade. Masquerade. Did you not read that? No, I'm, I'm not a big reader. It was a mas- the book by Kit Williams. As an exercise to the listener, I'm not going to put that in the show note. Kit, Kit, Kit Williams wrote this uh, detailed, beautifully painted, bizarre book called Masquerade. That, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, and so I'm just looking that up now. You got the head of a rabbit and the body of a person. Sure, yep. Like a modern minotaur. Yes, I'm putting these in the show notes right now, uh, links to my Instagram, which feature oh, these, the turkey leg, Masquerade. the rabbit walking, all of it. <laughs> they had elephants, Merlin. Kit Williams, that's the, that's the guy that directed all those uh, 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 Missy Elliott videos. I don't think and, it's uh, the same. I think it's Kit, Kit, Kit Williams, or is that the, that's the lady with the tattoos from the Thor movies. <laughs> Yeah. Is that right? Yes, that's right. No, it's really confusing because on the on the on the uh, on the Doodle Booty show, you got Lady Sif. She's in the Thor movies, but then you got is it Kat Dennings is the one who plays the nerdy girl, uh, the 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 Mia girl. Who's she's also the tattoo lady. Is that right? Who's the lady on the tattoo uh, reality show? Cat Cat Hype. I haven't. Oh, I know her. Cat. Yeah, Cat. No, I Kat. don't. Yeah, Cat 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 Hype. Right. That has nothing to do with Buster Rhymes. <laughs> is that correct? I don't know. Buster Rhymes was on the Aziz Ansari show the other day. So, I mean, it's really, it's all coming together. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. Yeah. Blade yeah. Hakuna Matata. Would you say it's medieval or renaissance? Renaissance. Well done, Dan. <laughs> we move on to the next round. Not a lot of people dressed up as Pris from, from Blade Runner. That's a shame. I know. Hmm. <laughs> that would be kind of fun, though. Somebody dressed as Pris at the, uh, the renaissance Yeah, That would be good. Hmm. Home again, home again, jiggity jig. <laughs> <laughs> They're so creepy. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's a Larry Daryl and Daryl guy. Yeah. And he's also E.B. Farnham. Yes. Yes. Did you ever see Deadwood? Yes. Deadwood, medieval or renaissance? Oh my gosh. Don't overthink it. You can do this. Medieval? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Perfection. Let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin. Please. 